0: Donato's just didn't add bacon to their pizzas, they added bacon to their bacon. Canadian bacon and hardwood smoked bacon, or Canadian bacon and Chipotle seasoned bacon. Get $2 off a large bacon duo or any large pizza. Use promo code 2. Donato's. Every piece is important.
1: I'm Allie J. And
2: I'm Crystal O. And welcome to Not Your Token Black Girl, where we recover from spreading black girl magic wherever we go. From careers in cocktails to men and mental health, we're breaking it all down on what it means to wear the token crown.
1: So if you've ever said, I'm not your token, fill in the blank, then this podcast is for you. A fun and witty show that's a little bit shady, but 100% true. It's Saturday brunch combo with the girls in a quick 20 minutes. Now let's get started.
2: It's season two of Not Your Token Black Girl. And on this episode, we're tackling the exhausting task of tokenship and the problem with the token mindset. Okay. So when we started talking about the podcast, we tossed out a lot of different topics or titles. I should say a lot of, we were talking about topics and titles, but um, coming up with a name was, I think, harder than expected. I know. Me and Brianna, we had stuff all over our whiteboard and trying to figure out what's trending right now, you know, what is going to be popular now and also possibly in the future. We had everything from like pleasant and petty to like tea, <laughs> like, you know, all of the like trending topics. Yeah. Um, but when, I don't, I can't remember how we landed on not your token black girl, but um, it's kind of like once that option came out for a title i was like i like that um because i know you and i have had conversations where especially being in college where there weren't a lot of black people on campus um mm-hmm. and just how we grew up and kind of yeah. being in our social circles oftentimes we are the only one um so i think that's kind of how we landed on not your token black girl I know at first we were thinking your token black girl but then adding the not kind of took some of that power back like just because you only have one black female friend that's not my fault it's not my issue yeah <laughs> my burden to carry
1: I mean I remember when we were talking about it and it was even we had the discussion because you were going to do shady but true because that's like yeah. definitely the vibe at all moments like you say <laughs> what you mean me what you say and when you told me I was like okay I'm into that like your brand that is that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And when you told me like, you know, let's do not your token black girl. And we started discussing the idea of that. I think at the time, remember I was telling you, I was like, I realized that in some of my circles, I'm the only black friend yeah. and I don't want to, like, I don't like that. I need to, yeah. discover, like, I want to uncover why these people that I've become close to don't have a lot of black friends. I'm like, you know, Austin is not as diverse like there's not a huge population of black people but you should still have more than one black friend. Right. you know and so when you brought me not your token black girl I was on this whole wave and I was <laughs> like you know what that's my thing right now like I'm not like I'm not the token for you okay yeah. like that's not a thing you know yeah. so I think that you know and that kind of leads into the whole idea of tokenism and how we have experienced it college like we had one black professor at the time right dr moore at the time yeah i think we got another one in the sociology department right before you left did we but yeah well he wasn't tenure
2: okay not at all see what i'm saying
1: (laughs) no but that i mean so wasn't
2: present enough for people to for everybody to know that we had more than one
1: yeah i mean for the longest it was just dr moore and i remember um there being an instance where like the school was put in as far as diversity that they had uh, a certain like two percent or something uh professors of color or something and it was
2: like no you you have one you have one professor of color yeah or one black one professor.
1: black professor right. right so um you know I remember just being in certain classes, especially cause we did a lot of digging into diversity and whatever. Yeah. And I'm the only person that's black in the class. You had all these white folks
2: diverse, dissected girl. diversity looking yeah, at you. I remember
1: just <laughs> people looking at me. And I think that's a lot of people's experiences, especially, yeah. you know, if you don't go to a HBCU or you don't live grow up in a community that's like with a lot of black people around, like you get looked at as, Oh, well, you're the black person in here you probably know what we're talking about, or you probably know you can yeah. speak
2: for that community yeah it's
1: like nah, no nah, no nah. no
2: I can only speak for myself yeah you know, I thought I just find it so interesting that when we're talking about the history of America and how American school children learn all of that no one turns to the white guys in the class and says well how does that make you feel or yeah you know, no one does that, but I specifically remember in a, like a communications and culture class, um, we were talking about, um, Mark Twain. We were, we were going through his work and obviously he uses the N where he is using language that was prevalent for his time. And I felt like all of the eyes were on me whenever we came to that part or we had to dissect it. And I'm like, Now, you maybe look at yourself because he's somebody's great-great-grandfather in here. Why are you looking at me to say how my entire race feels when it's you that should be looking internally? So I just find it interesting that people who are quote-unquote other, not white, always have to carry the burden, um, whether it be the only female, the only Black, the only Latina, whatever the case may be, because you're not the majority it's now your burden to carry the whole the whole representation of whatever other you're representing if that makes sense
1: yeah and and, you know i think um when when we talk about just the whole idea of tokenism right i think it's important to know to like the almost like meshing of tokenism and diversity right like yeah. i feel like people don't understand the difference sometimes yeah um you know and that language you know we dealt with all that in college and then it, i felt like it trickled into our careers
2: oh for sure you know sure.
1: and like at times and i know we've talked about this a lot cuz i you know you have like a feeling sometimes especially when you go into like when you're trying to grow in your career and working for organizations that you are again, once again, in another scenario, the only black person.
2: Yeah. And then
1: you have colleagues around you that feel like, you know, you're there for, because of, you know, the, the diversity play, right? Like, yeah. I feel like I hear that a lot, or you're growing because of that. Yeah. Or, And it would offend me, like, I always felt this sense. And I know from being young, we're always taught, like, you got to do more. You got to go hard. Like you have yeah. to get better.
2: Twice is better.
1: Yeah. And it's like, I feel like that's why, like, I'm, I'm doing good and I'm pushing. So that's why I should be moving. But then you have this like air of people around you that are like, well, she's getting there because they have to do the diversity thing. And because yeah. she's the token. And I'm like, I think, um, that's always been like, so like a conundrum for me, for lack of a better word. Right. Like yeah. I just, it bothers me.
2: Yeah, because I, I think you raise a good point. Looking at the difference between tokenism versus diversity, especially mm-hmm. in the climate that is this whole racial uproar. I, in an earlier yeah. conversation, you called it a racial renaissance. Yeah. Or racial reckoning, right? So mm-hmm. affirmative action, that all of those policies were originally introduced in the 1960s to prevent hiring discrimination based on race, right? Here comes Okay. Yeah. Me. And then later they said, okay, let's also start including gender. And so today, now it encompasses color, race, sex, religion, national origin. And so it became a way of companies being able to check the box and saying, okay, yes, we have a black person. Yes, we have a Latino. Yes, we have a Latina. Um, and we have all of the, so to speak, others, if you will. But checking the, by organizations checking those boxes It is how we got to this environment of tokenism, right?
1: Yeah. Which
2: is, I guess, a pit, if you will, on the way to true diversity. Yes, you have to start with one, but that's the issue with tokenism. You think you're done with one. You need to keep going to hit the true diversity and inclusion. One isn't enough, right? In 2020, we shouldn't be having the first african-american fill in the blank the first latina fill in the blank the fact that it was 2008 and we had the first black president that was something to celebrate but it should have also made us as a country step back and say okay why in the hell in 200 years have just white men been like does no one see a problem with that so i think tokenism is a step in the right direction because it shows that you are aware and you're willing to let one in Now we need to blast through tokenism and let more than one come in. It's not about just checking the boxes. It's about true inclusion.
1: Yeah. I think the, you know, the token piece is really about, it's like the, the symbol, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, it's like making, making a symbolic effort, right? Like that's, but not really taking like an action towards creating diversity
2: it's a checklist
1: so i think that's what the distinction is mm-hmm. it's like symbols versus action
0: yeah
1: um and you know i like to read i think we have to right like start reading between the lines and seeing who's actually doing that like i think we deal with it a lot with even putting the black lives matter signs within the streets but then not doing the steps above that to make sure that police brutality is not happening happening. Right. Which is why, so it's like all these little things that are intertwined. And I think as black women, we have such an intersectional, like experience from everybody else too, that it's like, I don't, you know, I already have other things that I, that I'm dealing with that I don't want to be the token in any situation, you know, like, yeah, I'm, and i think, I deserve to be here. I'm achieving, I'm doing things. I'm not the token or the, the diversity play, you know?
2: Yes. And I think companies, not just companies, organizations, groups, educational institutions, whatever, need to be very careful in the climate that we're in today, because it's so great to see a lot of the country waking up and realizing that, Hey, black yeah. people actually do matter. And we should probably stop shooting them for fun. Um, <laughs> but it does need to be a trend right i think if it's a trend then it stays in that tokenism spot you just did this because it was good for promotions it was good for revenue diversity has to be it's a hard it's an ethical thing at that point you go from this is good for the bottom line with tokenism versus this is just the right thing to do that's diversity and inclusion um So I find it very interesting, and I think we're in a double-edged sword. I find it very interesting that companies like um, Facebook and Instagram and um, even smaller companies are saying, you know, yes, Black Lives Matter. I know Amazon, Jeff Bezos is famous for outing people that send him messages saying you shouldn't be saying Black Lives Matter. I appreciate that. But why weren't you doing it before George Floyd's death? are you yeah. doing it after it falls off the media cycle? So I, I, I'll be curious to see, and maybe we have a follow-up episode, maybe six months, 12 months down the line where we're further removed from the one incident that kind of sparked and ignited all of these um, walks and, and protests and all of that to see who's really still doing the work because it's never ending until there's true equality. Um, or who was just using it as a marketplace, which they're still in that tokenism box of we're checking the boxes to To say exactly and using black lives matter as a symbol rather than a that. Like
1: symbol of I'm not racist when actually, it's like, okay, no, there's some, there's some, what is it? Uh, covert racism in there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, That's mm -hmm. the right word I'm using. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that that's, that's another added layer right, Mm -hmm. to tokenism is that, you know, you're doing these symbolic things, but there's still that covert racism that's like ingrained in the action that you're taking. Yeah, And really, I think as long as, and I think that there's this new wave of people that are like educating themselves on these different things and how to go about it. And I think it takes work on both ends of the spectrum. Right. But you know, I don't know, I've been, I think this is a big topic that we've talked about a lot and we experience it so much that for sure, I was also a reason we were like, we're going to start our own businesses. Right. And we're exactly. going to empower the women around us to eat too, you know, right. <laughs> like, come on, ain't no token in your organization. Right. Org. No, <laughs>
2: like, no, <laughs> yeah. we are anti token.
1: Uh, yeah, not a thing. So, so um, how do you
2: feel about reverse discrimination, right? Cause in tokenism coming out of affirmative action, um, people are saying, you know, yes, it's good for us to leave space for traditionally um, underserved or underrepresented groups. But now, and even as recently as July of this year, Um, A group of white students sued the University of Texas for not getting in saying it's because they're white. I know previously there was Abigail Fisher out of Houston sued UT for the same thing in 08 and just recently the Supreme Court ruled against her. Um, So you have and I mean I've heard it in my career oh Crystal got that because she's black I'm going to talk to someone because I feel like if I hadn't been a white man or if I hadn't been a white female it would have gone to me. Do you believe that there is reverse discrimination Girl, no,
1: <laughs> and I know we talked about this. It's no reverse race. Like you can't. How can we the oppressed be racist against the people that this shit is built to serve? Yes. Like it's not. We built it, and we it don't even benefit us. Right. You know what I'm saying? Ooh, that's like clutch. We they don't have
2: built so many
1: systems, us. like so many systems to benefit white folks right for I just can't think of a good way uh, a way to say it besides white people but um there's been so many systems that are built towards pushing them forward you know like how I just there's just no reverse racism I like hate speaking on that point specifically because I know there's so many arguments and I'm not as researched enough to know how to articulate that to the platform. So, but I will, my stance is that that's not a thing. Like, sorry, white people, we're not discriminating against you.
2: You know? I 100% agree. And I think you, you hit the nail right on the head. We live in a nation and a world with systems and laws and just processes in place to benefit white bodies. So people that are not white, that are forced to exist and operate um, within a system purposely built to benefit others, even if they're not built to not benefit you, they aren't built to benefit you. You see what I'm saying? Like, even if you're a neutral, right? So Blacks, Black and Brown people, these systems were not built in our favor. I think there are some races where they can kind of, they play a more neutral role. So, um, for example, I feel like Asians, while they are minority, they don't experience the same trauma as black and brown people. No. Systems put in place around the globe, thanks to Europe, um, was not built for their benefit right they they were the far east we weren't they weren't really focused on them and then you have white people who it was their ancestors who went out and conquered the world and put systems in place for their benefit so there's kind of yeah. th- buckets that you can fit in if you're in the most disadvantaged bucket how therefore can you play and overturn a system built on centuries of oppression for someone who is in the category that it's built to benefit. I think that is the most out of touch, privileged, Karen-ish type comment that a white person can make. When they say, oh, you only got it because, because that is diminishing the work that that black or brown person had to do because I'm always thinking I have to be two or three times better than you for them to even notice me. that diminishes all of that extra work, it downplays the historical trauma and it also downplays the historical head start that white people have had. So I agree 100% that there is no such thing as reverse racism, reverse discrimination. Um, Now, what's kind of a catch 22 with affirmative action and this tokenism in general, what affirmative action was trying to fix originally was based on race. The data shows today that the people benefiting the most from it are white women, which um, they are women. They're not white males. I get it. But historically speaking, white women haven't had to fight nearly as many battles as Black women, Latinas, Indigenous women. Um, And so that was a little frustrating that they have been able to play the system. to reap the most benefit when it wasn't originally designed to protect them, it was designed um for black and brown people to have a safe space and a and a chance,
1: yeah, but I think that that's what happens you know because like I said it's an it, we as black women it, we're on both sides of, of things right with like the the women's movement and then being black and like having that experience. And so we all get, we get roped into both sides. So it's like, I'm a woman. So I want to stand up for these women's rights and I want to do this. And I feel like this is so important, but it's like, also I'm a black person and I'm, I want to make sure that this benefits me and that I'm pushing myself forward in this movement as well. And so it's like, yeah, white women do get, I, I feel like that, you know, that makes sense that they would get roped into the affirmative action thing and have been able to benefit from it you know, yeah. um, and that's just another thing that kind of makes it tough and feel unfair.
2: Yeah, in
1: a sense, um, you know, because we still have that. No one ever tells the, the white woman in the position that, oh, you're, you you are you're moving up or you should be the chief diversity officer or, you know, like nobody's telling them that because they assume that they got in for affirmative action. They're like, oh, they must go hard. They must work. Exactly. Or they got into that school because of affirmative action. No, they're not doing that to them. It's mostly to Black people. And then we have both sides, like being Black, being a woman. It's a stressful
2: life, but someone's got to do it and make it look flawless.
1: But these people is learning. They're trying to grow. Like I'm consistently trying to provide books and resources like the rest of the internet. Because I think that it's good, like, everybody just needs to start, like, I'm trying not to use bad words, but, like, everybody needs to fucking read, okay? Like, let's just all, even myself, myself included, like, just, we gotta get a better understanding of the world that we live in, and a a smart way to fight the battles that we're, that that are in front of us, you know? like. I, I do, you know, I get off of social media a lot because I have to work in it. So I unplug from that. And it used to be I'd spend my special time, like my, my time off of work, I would spend it on social, catching up and doing whatever. Yeah. But now it's like, no, I need to spend my time reading and educating myself on these things that are going on around me so yeah. that I'm ready to fight with my words when yeah. things come up. And when I am able to be around people and be around these different um, races because I don't want it to be like, a no, I don't want to interact with white people no more. It's a, a it's an odd experience. I want to be able to answer and intelligently have, give them responses, you know, yeah, like on why what you're doing doesn't work for me, like, yeah. and why this is what, what we're fighting for, you know? Yeah. Like this, it, this is just the time, like, I start thinking back to all the things that happened in college, all the things that happened before in high school, after college, like, and I'm like, you know what? That was actually racist. <laughs> you yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, and I was never quick to call. I feel like we never call people out racist or whatever, but I did. I, did I mean, understand. you probably did, but I didn't, I just didn't. Just unless I heard something that was overt racism. Like, yeah. Can nobody ever say the N word around me?
2: No. Um,
1: if Yo, Hugh ain't close to mine. Sorry. Like, (laughs) not a thing. Like, you will get, like, shut down real quick in front of everybody. Right. I did it recently, actually. Before pre-COVID, it was a whole situation at the bar. Yeah. Don't get cute. That kind of stuff. It is only, I was only responding to overt things, you know? And now I feel a responsibility. I'm going to call you out if there's those, like, subtle things as well. You know? Like, don't I don't want to hear anything about oh you sound smart or like none of that little stuff. You know those like little subtle things that are really racist that you're saying like don't say that shit around me. Cuz no, it is fair. my time to call people out, you know?
2: It's your time, honey.
1: But I check myself as well. And if I wasn't checking myself, I wouldn't check other people.
2: That's fair because um the other day I was scrolling through Instagram And I sent a message to my sister and I was like, oh, this woman is my spirit animal. And she was like, we're not saying that anymore. I said, oh, yeah, spirit animal. And she is like, yeah. I said, "Okay, why? Uh, And that's when she schooled me on how it is offensive to indigenous Americans. I had no idea. So I think it is. so, So you made such a good point that I'm checking people just like I'm checking myself. Mm -hmm. I had, that was a reality check for me. I didn't know it. I was ignorant and now I'm not. And so I've cut it out. So I think that you raised such a good point. Just like we're out here holding other people accountable. We have to hold ourselves accountable. Once we become more educated, it's a constant, it's a continuous learning process. And I don't think learning is ever done, especially when you're learning more about our world and the people that live in it. I had no idea that saying something or someone was my spirit animal. Yeah. Be and is offensive to indigenous people. And so now it's out of my vocabulary. And um, my sister, she was on a previous um, episode in season one, she is five, three and is a spitfire and she'll call you out every single time. So I told her I appreciated that because I I've been going around years talking about spirit animal this spirit animal this not realizing that i could have been possibly offending people um once you as as you read more as you experience more as you take in more knowledge not only is it your responsibility to check others and share that knowledge and information but it's also crucial that you change your ways if what you're learning requires that
1: yeah and i think it's great to have the that we now you know the I think I've said this probably a billion times but the seeds, you know, are planted, yeah. they have sprouted. So if you can't see and you're not trying to see, then move around. That's a problem at this yeah. point, you know. Um and so I think that allows for a more comfortability and especially with my friend circle, I've had a lot of conversations and I'm happy that I have Yep. The opportunity to just be like, "Yo, this is where I am with everything," and I would love to know, like, have open dialogue about, like, where are you, Stephen? How do you feel? Because you said this before, and I never really thought about it. Yeah. But now I'm thinking about it, and I want you to know that that's not what you do.
0: You yeah. Know what I mean? And yeah. it's
1: like I tell people the same thing. I'm like, if you love me and we're cool. Like, make sure you call me out as well. You exactly. Know? Like, that's the only thing, the only way things work. And I'm open to that, you know? Yeah. But I'm never going to, you know, at this point in my life and the way that I feel like I've evolved just in quarantine, I feel like the growth is just Girl, you know, on a whole nother level.
2: Grow from being yes, locked growth, down.
1: Grow, okay. <laughs> but like, I feel like I've gotten to this point where it's very no nonsense and it's very much so like, you know, I want people to, to know, I want to be overt about how I feel where before I've always just kind of been like, whatever, like, I'm just chill about pretty much everything. Like I never make a problem, but now it's like, okay, just so it's clear, this is where I'm at and you gonna know it every
2: time. No, I think you have to, you have to make people feel uncomfortable. Um, either so they shut it down and it's not going around it's not being said or done around you, or it makes them uncomfortable enough to where they look inward and decide to stop making people uncomfortable.
1: Yeah. No, I love that. Yeah. But I think this topic can go on and on and on. Yeah. Um, And we've had some conversations. I like going back and talking about the podcast episode where we talked to, um, almost 30 and we talked table flipping like I liked having those kind of conversations because it's one of those things where we get to hear those perspectives and we get to see what they're doing to ensure that they're not doing the tokenism thing but but pushing towards diversity and I think that their platforms like I've I've been listening you know, pretty frequently hearing the conversations they're having. And everybody should just be on that same wavelength of like, Absolutely. we're shutting down anything that's not about inclusion. Yeah. You know? And yeah. I think that's where we're at. And these are great conversations. And I want to hear from everybody like, Yeah, and specifically like black, other black women, like we should connect. That's what I want to do. It's Maybe just like- we
2: invite some of our listeners on for a future Mm. episode where we bring our listeners in um do that yeah
1: maybe we start we don't have a go live sister we should go live. let's go live Mm -hmm. shall we go live yeah i I mean go live we should so that we can talk to people because i've been wanting to hear like feedback and how other people are dealing with this because we're at home but we're still interacting on social and stuff so it's like you know I I do do a lot of shade rooms comment, creeping, and I'm on Twitter talking mess all day long. Get it Um, together. And I literally, every right now, my my whole thing on Twitter is if they post something, talking about, because I follow all the police departments just to see, and especially the ones in Austin. And if they be posting something about just, oh, this, like the last night somebody posted, this guy got 12 years for leaving a dog in a hot car. But excuse me, where is um Breonna Taylor's like why is that murderer? Why is that murderer still out? Or her murderers, right? Right. And then this guy is in jail for a dog overheating. And you know I love dogs. You know I like am obsessed with my animals. I know. But I thought about that and I was like
2: is, is a black a woman's life not worth more yeah than the damn dog
1: yeah and so I that's my new hobby too is scrolling twitter and talking mess I'd be like Breonna <laughs> Taylor excuse me this is not relevant let's figure out another way to make sure black lives matter
2: okay look social media black lives matter justice For real, girl. Well, hit us up in the comments. Let us know what you think. We're going to get together and figure out how we can go live to hear more from our listeners or maybe even some listeners come in and record with us a future episode. So stay connected to learn more about that. Yeah.
1: This is Allie J.
2: And I'm Crystal Lowe. And that's it for this week.
1: Be sure to tune in next Sunday at 12 p.m. Central for another episode of Not Your Token Black Girl. And also be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google. And follow me at Basic Alley on Instagram.
2: Follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Crystal O.